Thank you. So some strong words in that reading, we can all agree. And strong ideas in the drama we saw. For me, these readings bring up one of the most asked questions in Christian life. The question of, does God want me to be happy? A lot of people have a knee-jerk reaction to this question, but I really want to look at it in more depth. First, some questions about the purposes of God. Why does he do everything? Well, the Bible teaches us the answer quite simply. Everywhere you look, Old Testament, New Testament, everywhere talks about God's glory. There are 350 examples of the word glory in my Bible, and all of them either talk of God's glory or of men trying to obtain or come close to God's glory. God does everything to bring himself glory. He brought forth the line of Abraham through David all the way to Jesus, all to show his glory. He brought the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, all to show his glory. And he even had his only son killed to show his glory. I love the idea of uh, Louis Giglio, who when talking about the vast expanse of the universe said, I wouldn't be surprised if all of this, the millions of light years of space, had no life whatsoever and ultimately no purpose other than to show the glory and majesty of God. So the second question. Why do we exist? I asked you this question earlier, and I wonder if anyone would like to share their own thoughts. So I'm going to turn it to the floor. Would anyone like to share their thoughts? Why do we exist? To do good in the world. To do good in the world, a good answer. Love of mother and father. Brilliant. So people have been reading the commandments. This is good. <laughs> well, quite often what we find is that people usually say things like, I mean, if you went out onto the streets this morning and just ask people, why do you exist? What is the meaning of life? Most people say to enjoy it, to enjoy all its wonders and to have fun, have a good time. Some people might say to continue the human race. And I'm sure we can think of countless more similar examples. I did like the answers you gave, and they did more closely align with what I believe to be our purpose. And it's exactly the same purpose as why God exists, to bring him glory. Everything we do and say, everything that happens to us or because of us, is to bring him glory. So, then the inevitable questions come. The most, uh, the most asked of these, of course, being, well, if that's true, then why do people suffer? Well, this is often treated as a tender, difficult question, and we always feel like we don't want to offend anyone. But the answer is really simple. We suffer because we're not a perfect race. Since the fall, sin has existed. Because of what happened there, we cannot be perfect and live with God in glory in this life. Good things will happen to you in your life, and at the same time, 
bad things will happen to you. It's inevitable. And we can so often feel like there's a simple causality that with our relationship with God, that good things happen to me, I'm having a good time, therefore God is with me. And when bad things are happening and I'm having a dreadful time, then God isn't with me. But that's not the point at all, as I'm sure you know. The point is that God is in control. and that Everything exists to bring him glory. Yes, you can't see it right now. If you're in the darkness of your situation, whether it's a loved one who's suffering or has passed, or you lost your job, or your marriage is trying and difficult, or even has ended. You can't see the light and good to come from it in the situation you're in because you're never going to be able to. Only God can see that and that's why he's God. He knows what's coming and he knows the purpose of everything. And in fact, that's one of the most comforting things to know. That even in your darkest situation, God will, set the, uh, will get the glory. And we also know from Romans 8 he will work all things for his good, for those called according to his purpose. So we've had three questions so far and we've answered them. Why does God do everything? To bring himself glory. Why do we exist? To bring God glory. And why do we suffer? Because it's all part of the chain of things that bring God glory. So back to that original question. Does God want me to be happy? Well, let's turn to our drama it's taken actually from Mark 9, and let's use that to help us. It sums up the idea of that reading from Mark 9 really well. Simply put, we shouldn't think too much of ourselves. Jesus says in Mark 9, if we want to be first, we have to be last, a servant of all. We should not think that we're the most important person in the world. In fact, we shouldn't even think that we're more important than anyone else. Why is that important? Thinking about our big question for today. Well, it follows on from what we just talked about. Why do we exist? If we exist for ourselves, if we put ourselves at the centre and above others, then we think our happiness is the most important thing. This is true also of thinking that humans as a whole are the most important thing in existence. More and more Christians are aligning with that secular humanist movement and the ideas that put man at the centre, not God. And if you do this, then you're going to be putting your own happiness first and at the centre of everything. And of course, that is totally unbiblical, totally arrogant and totally blasphemous. God is at the centre, not us. It's so easy when it comes to ourselves to get caught up in what the world wants. We've just talked about how we put us at the centre. And even if it's not us, it can be so many other things. We put our jobs before God, our wives and husbands, our children, our possessions, our money. How many times have you got to the end of a day and realised that you didn't stop to give enough time to God? James said in our reading, you're cheating on God 
If all you want to do is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. We have a choice. We always do. To choose the world or to choose God. When we're deciding what to do on a Saturday night, when we're deciding how to decorate our house, when we're deciding how to respond to our friends about the big controversial issues of the day, we have a choice of how to respond. Too often we choose the things that defile us in our spirits just because those choices are the way of the current world and the way that people don't look at you funny or call you names or treat you differently. What I've learned in the past few years is that it's much better to upset one person than it is to upset God. When the choice is the world or God, choose God. So everything and everyone exists for God's glory. And we should put God first and not ourselves. Those are biblical facts that we can't escape. So then, when we go to God, when we're in his presence, what is our response to him? Is it to ask him for things, to say how you need more from him, how things didn't work out the way you wanted and that's not right? By the way, how many times have you prayed and for something and your prayer wasn't answered in the way you wanted and you went back to God and said, God, what are you doing? This isn't what I asked for. Try again and try a little bit harder next time. Before we get to the trivial things we asked for, like help for your favourite sports team, or the huge thing that we ask for, like sparing our mother or father who has cancer, or even before we ask for our own happiness, let's think about what God has done already. He has chosen to bring forth life in the universe, to create everything we can see. All of this from nothing. He has chosen to give us life within his glorious creation. He has chosen to write the whole of history so that there came a time when Jesus was to be born into the world and then he has chosen to give his only begotten son, Jesus, to be handed over and killed by the hands of man that we might be able to attain glory at his side forever. And beyond that, he's already given us so much in our lives to bring us to this point we're at here today. When we look at it this way, our response can only be humility, humbly serving him who gave us everything, to bring him glory, forgetting ourselves so that he may be exalted above all else. Our existence isn't about our own happiness. It's about serving God and bringing him glory. And what's even better is knowing that we already have the perfect example before us in Jesus Christ. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. It's not about us, it's about Jesus.
He is what we have to try and live up to. Through his ultimate humility, being humble to the point of being crucified, without saying a word, but rather accepting his fate. We can see what our focus and our duty must be about. But that's what's wonderful, and it means that we can be nothing but humble. As Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 1, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. We have nothing to be boastful about apart from Christ and his perfect example. So what is our response to Jesus' example? Well, our reading from James helps us with this. So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll ever get on your feet. We are by nature sinners. And therefore it's impossible to make the right decision for ourselves. To put God first. And to deny ourselves, we need to first be broken, brought low, before we can get on our feet, as it is worded in that version in James there. That's the first part of our response. Brokenness and complete trust and resilience from the Lord, our God. So let me also read from Philippians 2, one of my favourite passages to describe the second part of our response. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Look each of you, let each of you look not only to his own interests, also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love thinking about how Paul would have initially had that written. Apparently with no uh, punctuation at all. And you can hear it. Just this ream coming through the Spirit from him. But that is what we have before us, the perfect example. And that is what our response should be. 
to get on our knees and praise him who is the only one worthy to be praised. And in fact, this leads me to my final point. We've already said that everything and everyone exists for God's glory, that we should put God at the centre of everything and not ourselves, and that Christ is our perfect example of how to do this. And it's through Christ that something amazing happens. Our happiness may not be the centre and the most important thing to God or us if we're thinking biblically. However, what is an inevitable byproduct of all that God has done is joy. John Piper's famous tagline sums this up perfectly. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we trust in God, his plans, his faithfulness, his grace, we will always be satisfied and we can be nothing but joyful. The reason we can be joyful is because of forgiveness. Because forgiveness gets all of our sin, everything else, out of the way and lets us focus on the glory and splendour of Almighty God. So we can only be truly joyful through the broken-hearted enjoyment of the God of grace. Being happy may not be the most important thing, and I'll never say it bluntly that God wants me to be happy, but what I would say is that if I am satisfied in God, bringing him glory, then I am joyful beyond measure. Amen.